Welcome in to Pater Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Will Dundon, Nick Trucial, Seth Coggin in here with you after a championship weekend. We'll just recap all of them. Uh, let's start. We'll go in order, kind of. Let's just start with kind of the Pac-12 championship. Honestly, what a joke, in my opinion. Uh, <sighs> Those fingernails I, from Caleb Williams really did the that, job. Yeah, I mean, I watched that you game. can't do that. Caleb can't Williams that. looked pretty awesome right away, but then – I mean, let's forget about that. But just the fact that USC is trying to go to the Big Ten in a couple of years, and I know their offense is pretty solid and it's probably going to work pretty well. But the fact USC couldn't even make a normal tackle against Utah does not bode well for them, in my opinion, I mean, moving forward. They looked horrible on defense. Embarrassing, honestly. Yeah, not with a playoff spot on the line, just not the way you want your team to come out like prepared and effort wise and everything. I mean, not like they weren't trying. I'm just saying missed tackles a lot of time are a huge indication of effort. And like you said, they kind of were falling all over the place out there. Um, So not, not a great look on a head coach. Like I even gave Lincoln Riley props last week. Like, wow, they're on the brink of a playoff spot. Like week year one, like that's incredibly impressive, but you got to finish the job. Like you got to go in there. You have one game left to make it to the playoff. You've already played this team. Like you kind of know what's up. It's a neutral site field and you come out that flat and just get dominated like that. Tough thing to see uh, for a team, you know, who had all the opportunity right there in her hands. And it's not like no other scenarios. Like it's not, you know, I need to win and these teams lose. It's like, Hey, just win and you're in very simple. Um, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Yeah, tough. I mean, I, I really don't have a ton to say about it other than, yeah, just kind of embarrassing for USC. Because, yeah, they had they were the number four seed, right? Uber embarrassing. You you had you win that game and you have the Heisman Trophy winner and you have a playoff spot. A crazy big jump in perception for where your program is. And instead, Caleb Williams paints his nails uh, some derogatory terms towards Utah and you can't do that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, you can if you're going to go out there and win, but you can't do that and then get beat by 20 and lose the Heisman. And then it's just a bad look, man. It's just bad optics for the just look like a program. punk. Yeah. Well, so Utah's the one they lost to in the regular season, right? Yeah. yeah. So now Utah's got them twice. That's bad. And I know, I think if Utah and Florida played again now this year, like I think Utah wins, but it's not a good look that your Pac-12 champion did lose to, like, a very bad Florida team this year. It just makes the Pac-12 look bad, too. Yeah. And that was – I mean, that was game one. That was a long time ago. It was on the road. Yeah, but I yeah, agree. No, you're you're very entirely correct. That is a bad look. Um, yeah, just bad for the Pac-12, dude. And, I mean, not that I really care um, about the health of the Pac-12, but they haven't been to a – they've been to two college football playoffs. The Pac-12 is 0-2 in the college football playoff. The SEC played more games in the playoff last year than they have in its existence, which is just wild. Yeah. <laughs> they played three games last year. And really, I mean, you played a combined four games because Alabama and Georgia both played two. Yeah. So it's it's just crazy the lack of success they've had on the national level. 
Um, and you got a great opportunity with your storied, you know, your name brand. I mean, USC is definitely carries the torch of the Pac-12. Um, them and probably, I don't know, I would say Oregon at this point, um, just because they've had a lot of success in the last 15, 20 years. Um, anyway, you have your torchbearer, the Trojans, looking to go on the national stage, make the playoff, like, you know, do something really positive, and they just blow it on Friday night. A Friday night, just disappointment right there. Um, so pretty, uh, pretty tough. I have no sympathy and no, no, uh, don't, don't, uh, don't hurt too bad for the Trojans. I'll be honest. Don't see me uh, shedding any tears for old USC. Um, although I do like USC's talking, talking football unis. Uh, just a little pivot. USC is clean. That is. That is a nice college football uniform they got. I so. said the same thing on Friday night. That's one of my favorite uniforms in college yeah, football. It's a mix good. of it's a mix mix of tradition and swag. It's unique, dare it's I unique, say, and it does have a big game feel to it. Like you mm, see that uniform. That's, a, that's it. Big game yeah. feel. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. So I'll just a quick quick little USC little seven year old uh, Seth Boscog went up there to. Uh, to USC to watch Arkansas play there in 2005. Um, and that's the height, you know, height of Reggie Bush, Matt Liner, a height of the Trojan era. So I go to the Coliseum picture with the Trojan horse, dude, I was enamored by the Coliseum and everything going on, but then Arkansas lost 70 to 17 and <laughs> t- tough L, but luckily we, we were going to Disneyland the next day. So, you know, got to get to, that's a nice bounce back. Yeah. Vibes were still high. Yeah, no, we we can go ahead and move on, I guess, to the Big 12 championship, the day game on Saturday. And, Trusha, we were talking about it a little bit before. We'll talk a little bit about the Heisman race as well, the upcoming four finalists going. But, I mean, awesome game. Uh, Kansas State's kind of a cool – again. Kansas State's a cool story with Adrian Martinez getting hurt, um, I guess, a couple times this year. And I guess he most recently got hurt before this game and wasn't playing um, – but I mean, Max Duggan. I know. I know Kansas State won, but I was thinking to myself, as long as TCU pulls this off, Max Duggan basically just grabbed the Heisman for himself. Yeah. I, that's exactly what you want out of a. He had his Heisman moment. I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can count it as a Heisman moment if you don't win. But the way he absolutely just took over the game for TCU. I mean, that last drive was literally. I mean, he dropped back a couple times to look to throw, but it was basically dug and left, dug and right, up the middle, down the sideline. The guy was in the end zone and basically couldn't even get up uh, and wills himself to, you know, get back, throw throw a two-point conversion strike, and his linemen are literally carrying him off the field because he's so tired. Epic. It was a gutsy performance. I mean – TCU was down early too. He had to to really fight back and put the team on his shoulders. And like you said, Will, that drive would have been his Heisman moment if they pull that game off, end up losing by three in overtime. But uh, it had guts. Uh, did you see the press conference after the game where mm-hmm. he was talking? Very emotional. Um, kind of put the blame on himself. Still said he he didn't make enough plays to get the get the team win and how badly they wanted it. So he uh, he definitely grew on me after that presser and that performance, but. Unfortunately, if you lose, it just doesn't really mean as much. Yeah, and Seth, that kind of that whole press conference, I was thinking about this kind of speaks to your point you've been mentioning about 
games mattering regardless of what the playoff is because I mean I know TCU may have thought they had less of a chance but they asked him about it and he was basically like I'm really not worried about that right now I just really wanted a big 12 championship yeah obviously the dude was in tears and wanted it bad and I'm sure I mean obviously they're elated and super excited when they get their names announced to be the three seed for the playoff but I'm sure that doesn't change the fact that they would love to have that one back and still have a big 12 championship yeah you know it's easy to say oh that game doesn't matter for us like on our couch 800 miles away thousands of miles away but like to the kids in the program that grind every day that's you know that have worked so long a chance at a big 12 championship and cowboy stadium is a huge that is a big deal it does matter regardless of playoff implications and it is kind of it's kind of cool to see someone wear, you know, it's always, it's always fun to see someone really wear it, you know, on their sleeves and really, um, really let it show that it does matter. And I mean, there are different ways to kind of control those emotions and, you know, let it kind of fuel you and stuff like that. But um, really fun to see it. You, <clears throat> the funny thing is you kind of only see those more genuine ones, honestly, sometimes in defeat, um, which is pretty interesting that, you know, he comes, we're all sitting here talking about a guy that, yeah, he did lose the game. Um, but in the bigger picture showed his just tremendous competitiveness and all that kind of stuff that I don't know if I had to choose. It's funny how we become, when we kind of do mention the Heisman, we become so creatures of the moment where like these guys have already had their full seasons and now we're going to not give it to them because like going into Friday night, Caleb Williams is just like, Heisman front runner, like pretty by far, it's pretty much assumed he's going to win. And he has one bad game on Friday night, you know, nothing that impressive loses a game. It's like, Oh, you know what? Yeah. It's wide open now. Like because of one game at the very end, but that is kind of the ones that really matter. Like it, it is kind of the ones that do separate themselves um, from the others. I hate it that Hinden uh, had gone down. Um, I feel like, he would have had, and I mean, I still would put him up there as just having an outstanding college season. But I feel like if he hadn't got hurt, had played the last couple games, um, you'd have more more talk of him winning it, like truly winning it. Um, but it's just kind of tough. I mean, all around, there's no, there is no runaway this year that's truly like, yeah, that guy captured it like no other. Um, so I. I I really, I'm glad I don't have a vote because, or I mean, I guess I, if I had a vote, I guess I would pick someone. But um, it's it is kind of hard for that last visual you see of a Heisman winning quarterback to lose their championship. That's true, <laughs> and still like be like, yep, like it's almost easier just not get there, and which that's the that's a really quirky thing about this the playoff system right now is in some cases it can be advantageous to not even win your conference championship or not even go to your conference championship. Yeah, not to go to it, yeah. Yeah, um, and that's that's fairly rare. Uh, that doesn't happen very often, but it, it happened, it's happened several times where it's like someone who was sitting at home, you know, got a favorable jump because someone that was playing an extra game against top competition lost that week. It's kind of just like they literally had to play an extra game You've only played your schedule. You've both played your schedules, right? And you can match up. But then this team has to play an extra game versus the other best team in their conference. 
And that's a really hard game on a neutral site with one week to prepare for that team that you might've already played. It's like, it's just an, a big chance. Obviously we saw both top teams lose or, you know, besides Michigan, um, like besides the two heavy, heavy favorites, right. um, we saw them both lose. So it's just, I think the expanded playoff format, I think, I've just always been coming up with some pros and cons in my head to really try and weigh out, like, is this better? Because we were talking about, like, the BCS this year would have got this pretty right. Like, it was good. That was a big jump for college football to put a championship game at the end of the season to actually name a champion. Like, how asinine before that, we literally just played the whole season and named a champion without even them. We voted on it. Yeah, having any chance. Yeah, we just voted on it, which – we know that that's wrong all the time. Our perceptions are not always accurate. Anyway, I think the expanded playoff will, because it will incentivize and will reward winning the conference. I, th- I truly think like, you know, being in that top four, getting a buy in the playoff is truly an incentive. It's a reward. It's an advantage. Um, so I well, think and to that, and to that point, you are in a weird situation where I don't think anyone I think the committee got it right by keeping TCU where they are, and I don't think anyone would argue TCU shouldn't be there. But it is kind of funny that you have this team in Kansas State who in their own right as a top-10 team came out and beat them for the conference championship. And I'm not arguing that they should be in this year's playoff, but it it is a it's a cool factor to add for the 12-team playoff that Kansas State would be one of those top four teams yeah. uh, if we were doing the 12-team playoff, yeah. and in a way, deservedly so. Yeah. See, I think that's where – I don't know to the effect that I think it will become very fun and matter a lot is kind of exactly that point. Like, even though, yeah, both these teams that are playing in the conference, the conference, they might both get in, but this is huge for like, who has a buy who's going on the road next week. Like, you know, for the first week, like it is huge situationally still and these last end of year games will matter more, or it could be a team that's not going to get into the 12 team playoff unless they win the conference championship. And then, you know, then they get in and they're top four seed because they won their conference championship. Like, no, it's just automatic. Um, now, would it be automatic? Cause what we got four, we're essentially, they're saying four conferences. Like the is the four, pack- uh, it's the four highest ranked conference champs. Okay. So technically, even okay. if you had five conference champs, it would just be the four highest ranked out of the, does five. the other conference champ go to number five? I don't know. I'd be curious. I think they must have to. Essentially, your conference champions are one through five, and they get they do get ranked. So, like the fifth, but the, they they will at least get a home playoff game. Like, so you still are have a little advantage by winning the conference. But I don't know. That'll be fun to see. That that will really will be fun to see play out. Oh um, yeah the the home playoff games. Home playoff games. Dude, a home playoff game in Knoxville, in Neyland, like, could you imagine the atmosphere? I mean, and and, I mean, obviously Neyland, yeah, but honestly, anywhere. Like, a home playoff game, just your kind of mini, it's obviously not a national championship. I mean, it's a playoff, but like your mini kind of just like biggest game of the year. That's all. Nah, it is. Like, if the hogs, if the hogs are playing a home playoff game it is on my national championship, I will, I will. Have it's on that fun. level of excitement. Because I mean, you have to win it. So, and it's like not far off. It's like literally at our stadium is the, 
the tournament for the national championship. Like it is Correct. in, yeah. like you have all week, like multiple weeks leading up to it of just like the playoff is in town. Like this is, I mean, it is for a lot of people, they're never going to the actual national championship game. It might happen, but this is a playoff game in my backyard. Like we're, we're all going and I'm serious. It would be, be such a scene. Yeah. Anywhere. I think that is going to be such a fun, fun element added to college football that we're not even fully comprehending yet. Like how excited, because think about a, a good, like epic college, you know, week. Like epic Saturday, you might have like three top tier games. And those are like, you know, I don't know, even just ranked matchups. Um, but for the playoff, it's literally like, no, we're in one, you know, one or two day stretch. We have four of the best games you've seen all season and they matter so much. And it's on campus and people are going crazy. Like it's not a neutral site. It is a home crowd. Like if you want to win on the road in the playoff, that is hard like those home teams i bet will win so many more of those games um they'll be so exciting that'll be that that's what's really kind of pushed me over the edge i was very anti 12 team playoff for a while and i've really turned a corner because i started seeing those graphics of what it would look like if it were to happen this year and just starting to think man yeah we could have all these awesome games like you get like i'm always so upset when college football is over and i I'm one of the – I'm in the minority because I enjoy bowl season because I watch a lot of bowl games. And honestly, not a lot of people do anymore. Uh, I like watching teams from other conferences face off, see how they match up, and it's just more college football. I love college football. But being able to have those big-time games, like seeing Alabama have to go to Manhattan, Kansas, and play Kansas State, that's just a wild matchup you'd never that thought is. you'd see, and I would love <laughs> to watch that. That would be awesome. Yeah, every year you're going to get wild matchups that are just incredibly fun because it will be kind of like it will be kind of random. It'll be oh that'll that'll be just awesome. Well, because like, you get down to when you get down to those the the first round where it's five through twelve. There's those a, teams are those teams are pretty equal, honestly. Like well, or there's just a ton of variety. Like you don't yeah, know there might yeah. be a super overrated number eight and a really good uh, 11 that snuck in that's playing number six or whatever. And I don't know, you just, there's so many. It, oh, there's so many variable. Like it yes, will be yeah. just crazy. Yeah. Team fives, team six, his quarterback got hurt. And now, now they exactly. have, you know, team 11 coming in there and yeah, they got, they're going to put a, they're going to put a shot. And that's what it. you'd have. You'd have Joe Milton taking the balls right now to the playoff, which God, who, like literally who be knows horrifying. <laughs> yeah but yeah but you'd be riding with it if it was yeah, I mean, yeah exactly i'd want bazooka joe to unload his cannon but who knows what's gonna happen just a few of those 80 here's, yard bombs here's my s- sidebar i do think bazooka joe is presumably the starter going forward into next year for tennessee i don't know if he's gonna really hone it in ever but i think there's going to be i think he's gonna split right down the middle the amount of games he is like 80% passing versus like 40% passing. Like one game, he's just going to complete every single deep ball. And then it's another on, it's on complete any, if it's on, I it's could on. see that. I mean, he's done, he's done great off the bench so far this season, but I mean, we don't know exactly. Cause Jarrett Garantano looked good off the bench. Honestly, uh, we, we don't know exactly what is going to happen when he's thrown into the mix as a, a full-time starter. And, and last well, time I don't wanna... we saw it was ugly against Pitt. 
yeah, yeah. I don't I don't want to get too far into Tennessee because we'll definitely talk about them later on in the show. Um, let's go ahead. Let's move on to. Hold on, I got what? Go ahead. Can you just imagine USC coming into? Uh, Memorial Stadium there in Nebraska. That gets me fired up. I mean, if Nebraska ever gets back to a top 12 team, that is which... No, I'm saying just in the conference. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, we, like, that's yeah I, I forgot about that. Yeah, they're coming over. I, I mentioned that earlier, but yeah, that'll be awesome. Yeah. I think last time they came was 07. But yeah, Husker playoff game would be dialed up. Well, and that's another reason the 12-team playoff's exciting because you... Everyone in the country of a historically known or renowned of a legitimate program, program has a, has has hope. You know, it's like we don't have to we don't have to go all the way or win the conference. Like we just got to be we got to win ten games or something. Yeah, ten games, know? maybe you nine. Win ten, you win ten games in the SEC. Like you win ten games at SEC Big Ten, you're in the playoff. Like yeah, pretty much, pretty much guaranteed. Like you're in. Which is Man. pretty sweet. Yeah, Bopolini. ten ten and two is a lot more attainable than even eleven and one. Yeah, no, I agree. Let's talk a little bit about uh, SEC championship next game. Uh, I mean, honestly, LSU not a lot to talk stinks. about. Actually, Good LSU's Lord. a fraud SEC champion, but we let it happen, so we can't really say too much about it. Yeah, I would honestly like to see Bama get a shot at Georgia. That would have been the the best game. Because yeah. they didn't, they didn't play this year, did they? That would have been, that would have no. been more fun. People would have been more excited about it, but Bama didn't earn it. So, see, ya. that's the thing. I've heard people have been talking about it, Bama a lot this weekend. You know, just because there was some slight murmurs, mainly by Nick Saban, I guess, trying to kind of weasel their way into the playoff. And when you look at Bama's resume this year, it is not impressive. Like, do they? What are their? They have some solid wins, but. Lost to Tennessee, lost to LSU. Weren't better than Georgia. Like, I don't think anyone thinks that. They didn't have – and that's I think that's what kind of separated the committee on them in Ohio I mean, State. They're, because two Ohio play, State they're two plays away from being undefeated, though. Yeah, but they're yeah, also – like, Texas A&M easily could have beat them at home. Yeah, exactly. Like, there were some other – I mean, they were losing – they were on – yeah. They weren't a true dominant. At really no point in the season they showed to truly be like dominant, dominant. They were a really good football team. They went ten and two. Like that's a really they're a couple good plays team. away from eight and four. If you go, they if are. Quinn yeah. Ewers plays, yeah, Texas could have got them. Texas easily could have got them, and they're not that good. A and M is garbage, and they could have beat them. Uh, shoot, they were. I mean, I, I won't take it that far, but Arkansas went on a twenty-five zero run against Bama. They're not that good. So, just saying, you you got to earn. Yeah, a twelve team playoff, you're in it. But it would have been fun to see you. It'd be fun to see a playoff game at home at Bama. I'll be honest. I got all right. Yeah, I'd watch that. Um, but it's funny to even just have the twelve team hypothetical in our brains because we can always just point to well, if it happened this year, like we'd be right there. Kind of brutal, like for Vol fans, honestly. Like in the coming future you're right in the playoff mix. Well, the good news is as long as Hypel's around, I think most Tennessee fans are, I mean, I would be pretty confident that Tennessee is going to be right around the top, a top 12 team for years to come. As long as, as long as Hypel's here. Yeah. I, and I'm not saying, like, I don't want to be like, a down. I, I don't, I don't think it's a lot to ask to be consistently year after year, a top 12. Like I can say like, yeah, top 25 and 
a lot of years up near the top 12, but like consistently finish the year 10 and two is like not easy for any. Correct. I just but don't, you don't, I don't have, like nine. I'm, I'm saying nine and three in the sec is could get you in some years. Probably. Yeah. Pen, yeah. It depends um, on who you beat and who you lost to, but right. I'm just saying they're, I feel pretty confident Heupel's going to be top 20. Yeah. So if you're all, if you're consistently top 20, there's probably gonna be a couple years. You're top 10 yeah. or top, top 15. So you're right on the door. Um, yeah. No, anyway. I agree with that. I agree. With, and you should, I mean, that's, he's already set kind of the state, the bar pretty high. So like, that is kind of what you got to expect. And, yeah. It was funny. Uh, so Alex Galesh, the offense coordinator got hired at South Florida this past week. And, I don't think anyone in the UT fan base – I mean, I think everyone liked Galesh and everything, but it, it is funny when you have a head coach that is so obviously – has the offensive system and is in charge that you lose your offense coordinator of the best offense in the country and you're just like, ah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's hypo system. We all know it. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't disagree. Just promote uh, with it from within, and I think we're fine. I think that's probably what they'll do, right? Yeah. Next get, guy, get up, a guy basically. who knows the system already. That's all you need. Yeah, it's good when your system does work like that. Does Hypo call the plays? I think so. I don't. I don't know if he does, but I, I think to... it's a. I think Galesh calls it, or Hypo's like, "Hey, this is what I want to run," and then Galesh basically <laughs> calls picks it the specific play. If that yeah. makes sense, I could. Yeah, I could see that. Or every now and then, Hypo might pick a play on like a big down. I pulls a that system is really good. What's well, simple too, I think. Yeah, it's, I think it is. It's simple enough. It's like if you have athletes, it, it reminds me a little bit of the system Bama ran when you had that ridiculous receiving core. I remember watching Sar- well, just Sark's offense. Field. Yeah, I was gonna say Sarkin honestly even like Lane's offense to some extent when he was at Bama. Well, when he had different quarterbacks, because sometimes like. It depended on his quarterback, but yeah, just stretch the field like crazy, like vertical, vertical, vertical. We're going to throw long routes and then like a lot of crossing routes. Yeah. A lot of crossing routes, which the when running. you have the, when you have the athletes at receiver that you can run across, like they're going to get open on a slant route. So yeah. if you can get open right Especially, there, yeah. The- when you're opening up the top, like when you're absolutely just wide up, cause you're not, you're not only just running long routes, you're completing long passes on a, really high clip so if you're able to efficiently throw long long balls like when you're consistently throwing 50 60 yard passing plays or even like 30 plus yard passing plays yeah you open up so much and you have a strong running attack so very strong like you can't just abandon the box like you got to put at least seven seven eight in the box because if not we're just going to run and gash you um, and then that really opens up the middle real good. Um, hard to stop. Yeah. When you, it's like kind of like you get the right athletes, you got a really good quarterback and unleash them, like, you know, let them make, you know, be open and make plays. Um, I mean, football's all, it's so much about space and they do such a good job of creating it, uh, for their playmakers, get them in the ball and advantageous, you know, hit them in stride and let them run, you know, then that's, it's a really good, any, we can get really deep into yeah. the tenets of like <laughs> offensive football and like what makes it effective. But obviously, um, yeah, I mean, smart move by South Florida. He said, Tennessee had points. Give me points. Um, hope it works out. What about uh, the prime time? Country. What about prime time going to Colorado? 
Are we jumping in? Are we skipping over? I will, we'll just say this. Michigan did what they did all year against Purdue. Yeah. They just kind of slowly dominated. Um, yeah. But yeah. So I'm fine to jump into primetime. <laughs> I'm excited for the playoff. I'd like to see yeah. Michigan. I will be excited, honestly, for all the games, no matter what happens. Except Michigan-Ohio State. I would not be excited for that. I would watch it because I would have to watch it. It would be a big event and game. But I would not be excited for that to happen. Just Did like I'm sure Michigan, Ohio State. Yeah, I do not want to see that again. No. Well, that's why I'm glad they seeded them the way they did. Yeah, so there wasn't yeah, a rematch yeah. right away. That I would think have been... they're they're pretty good about that. Like they're never gonna. I don't think they'll ever put conference teams playing again in the first round, unless maybe they haven't played or something. Um, right. But because it just makes more sense. I mean, then if they have to win their way into a rematch, like. You don't just that would just see the like the Big Ten could lose both these games and not have anyone in the finals. Um, and if you put Michigan Ohio State together, then they at least get one in the championship. You're pretty much just conceding one uh, one spot in the championship game. But anyway, Michigan TC will be really fun. Michigan is a, Michigan's a force, man. They are good. <laughs> they are. I'm telling you, Michigan, like more more so than in the past, like. I think Michigan has a real shot this year. Yeah, I think they can, I do too. I think they can play. I do too. I think in some crazy way, almost people are under they're not in any they're almost underestimating Georgia. In I think my their head. defense is still well, actually their offense is a little bit underestimated with how I, I just think explode. because of what they did last year, and then you carried into this year, and they've been just as impressive, if not like I don't know, not maybe not more so in some ways, but it's almost like they're very gettable when in fact they have shown time and time again like they're not gettable at all. Um, it's well, and that's kind of the story with Stetson Bennett. It's yeah. like sometimes you see him and you're like, this guy's not good. And then yeah. when if you, you think, really when got you think him you're off. gonna it's like when you think you're gonna get a couple picks against him or he's gonna have a down game, that's when he turns it on and throws throws like 50 yard balls on a dot i mean so that's what's going to be the difference for me is which stetson bennett shows up yeah georgia michigan would be my ideal championship that would be fun to watch personally um i I would like that a lot and i think that's i mean that's what i would predict and that's what i'd prefer um not not because i like scratch just because i want to see that game happen i i love tcu i love the horn frogs i will root for them probably honestly just because, I don't know, I love the Horn Frogs. And uh, and if they won, I'd be excited to watch them play Georgia. But Michigan seems like a real threat to beat Georgia, and I'd like to watch it. I mean, Ohio State's a real threat to beat Georgia. I think Georgia's probably wishing Ohio State didn't get in. I bet they were really preferring to play USC even. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think so. So, even though – you know, Lincoln Riley's one person that has pushed Kirby's defense. Like, you remember that game a few years ago in the Rose Bowl when they those teams went back and forth and they just could not stop Baker Mayfield? That was, what, his his year at Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was the year they didn't give Baker the ball. Like, they didn't give him the ball on the last drive. Yeah. They, like, ran it three times or something. Yeah, they did kind of they did kind of do something funky there at the end. I, I can't remember for I sure. I can't remember exactly, but I remember being like, How does your best player on the field not get a chance at that point in the yeah. game? But yeah. That was their first SEC championship this weekend since 2018, I think, since the year that 
Um, Tua beat him in the championship, which was crazy. Dang. Dang. It's crazy, it's crazy that Georgia-Bama have played two national championships in the playoff format, too. That's pretty wild. Yes. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Just Saban and Saban Jr., too, which makes it even more, like, brutal. We're never going to get out of Saban's grasp. Saban and Saban Jr. Even when Saban leaves, you're just going to have remnants of his coaching tree just Disciples. dominating. Yeah. Oh, that hurts. That hurts so bad. Lane definitely is going to Alabama now. That would be funny eventually, like two years from now. Two years, I'm calling it. I can see the. Did you see the picture Lane posted with Kirby on Twitter? (laughs) The caption said something. It was, uh, it was like, hope, like trying to see if he has any extra coaching spots available or something. (laughs) Lane is a troll. He is a troll. He does a good job of it. He, he's one of the funnier as a true Twitter person. Like he's definitely one of the, he might understand Twitter more than any other coach by like, not by just being a troll on it. Like that is what that website's for. Yeah. Um, he does he, do a great job at it. Yeah. He just, Oh man, what a nut. I don't think like, I'm just curious to see how his tenure at Ole Miss goes. Like I see it fizzling out in two years, regardless. I, not even like not even whether it's yeah whether it's not even bad or, like yeah, yeah not even like he's like they'll probably they could even go eight and four the next two years but let's be honest they're not like they're not they're probably not even going to go eight and four both of the next two years like they had a really disappointing season like that's what we were kind of talking about the whole time we were expecting it to happen and yeah they lost four out of their last five games and you know when they actually got to some real competition so um even though Lane had a lot of hype this year, they really weren't that good. Like they, their best win is maybe Kentucky at home. Um, so not, not like they really broke any kind of, I just feel like people get kind of put off with them. Just like, I feel like Leach is wearing real thin in Mississippi state. Like, I don't think he'll be around much longer either, even though he's done decent, like decent enough to stay around at Mississippi state. Like there's just no spark in the program. He just doesn't really, light up the fan base, I don't think, um, even though the play has been pretty decent on the field. So it'll be interesting. Coach, coaches, it's always it's always crazy how they come and they go. Um, sometimes you never know when a program is really about to turn either way. Um, so, you know, it's fun to see, like we mentioned a second ago, it is fun to see a big splash hire like Deion Sanders. At, I think it's kind of been – Obviously, Deion Sanders carries so much weight to his name, you know, outside of his coaching career. That's a big part of why it's such a splash. But he goes about it in a very different way. Like he coaches football in a, in some ways he's very similar, but in some ways it is a very, very, very different model than so many coaches before him. Um, so it's fun to see him get a big shot at an institution that really is re- uh, seems to be receptive of just letting him go to work like that's kind of down in the dumps you'll like yeah yeah, you'll basically let anything happen and let's talk about that because Seth you were in the group tech Swaff and I kind of went back and forth on this and the lawyer he did his job he actually kind of convinced me towards the end so if you didn't see this past weekend Colorado hired Deion Sanders as their coach and right off the bat Deion's making headlines obviously has an opening presser uh, basically announces his son as the starting QB without you know, anything obviously taking place besides being hired. 
Um, I mean, transfer portals going nuts. You have all these guys going to commit to them. And speaking of that, Dion has, and I have to talk about this because it was so funny and so, uh, so polarizing, I guess. Dion has a players meeting and essentially tells the players, hey, you're going to want to go ahead and hit the portal because I'm bringing my own luggage. I'm bringing my own players. And it's Louis. That's what he said. It's Louis Vuitton. Um, but, oh, gosh, seeing seeing that, and then not only that, but after he says that to them, he says, he, he like, gets the players to chant with him. He's like, oh, and players who are smart, say smart. And the players, like, repeat it. And then he says tough, and the players repeat it. And I'm like, he literally just said y'all aren't going to be on this team, basically. <laughs> and he's already <laughs> he's already got you. Like, I would have been like, dude, screw you. Like, okay, nah, fine, I'm out of here. <laughs> there's, I I agree. Um, I'm gonna when your culture is trash, like when your team is terrible, and he's he's paid a lot of money to be an instantaneous culture shift to like Correct. completely radicalize their program and just spark it. And the one way to do it is like, hey. What we have here is unacceptable. Like, if y'all are not willing to go to the next level, get out. Like, we really are clean. I am here to just go 180 on this thing. So, if you are not with radical change, you're not with me because I'm the I'm the program now. Deion Sanders is as big as the Colorado football program at this point in time. Like, does that make sense? Like, their brands are essentially equal, if not even Correct. bigger. Yeah. Like, Deion Sanders has more of a pull. He's a bigger figure outside of Colorado football, like he's not a figure because he's the Colorado football coach. He is himself. Well, and to further your point on that, when, when Trev Alberts was hiring a coach at Nebraska, um, actually when Mickey Joseph was announced as the interim, Mickey Joseph mentioned like whoever was the head coach at Nebraska would never be bigger than Nebraska football. This is the opposite. uh, Uh, Exactly. Colorado's case. Yeah. 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 So he's pretty much saying I am Colorado. Now, if you are not with it, yeah, get out. And some of you may be with it, but I won't let you be with it, to be honest. We're bringing in – because it's tough to hear, but the players stink. Like, they're not – Yeah. They're, they're not. It's not just bad coaching or, like, anything that's got them to, you know, 1-11. There aren't good players. Like, he is right. They will find better players. It's a tough, tough realization, but I'd honestly rather my coach say that. to in the, uh, As a player sitting there, I'd rather him say, look, if y'all hit the portal – like go find other opportunities unless you really want to dig in. Like you, you have the, uh, cause I'm sure in individual stuff, like he, most players probably have the opportunity if they really, you know, want to be part of the program, they're not going to run off a hundred guys on the, in the program. Like that would be crazy, but they really, really might, there might be, I say a hundred to get 85 scholarships, but you have more like a hundred players, if not more, um, you know, they might may take off 60 guys, but there's still 40 guys from that roster that, you know, are still around. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a big headline grabber, but I mean, it's just, it's true. It's, do we think it, he went, do we think he went a little far basically saying this is your parents' fault for how they raised you? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's tough. That's yeah, a, I feel like yeah, it's yeah, taking it a little far. Yeah, let's, that's just maybe, let's make the let's make the last regime of coaches yeah, but look like at, a little responsible compared so, to the like, players. Hey, let's, <laughs> but Coach Prime can say, "Look at my son." I mean, like you know, he's about to be like <laughs> maybe it is your that, that, Here's the thing: we're gonna find out. <laughs> we're gonna find out real quick, like yeah. if, if Dion can coach or not, because that's yeah. what that's where my I, I wasn't saying I didn't believe Dion could succeed. 
I was just saying we're going to find out because we don't really know. When you have four and five stars at Jackson State and you're playing teams, that that matters a lot. And he's going to have a lot of talent at Colorado. But we've seen this year that having all the talent in the world doesn't always equal success. Yeah. I think the portal will be just his absolute best friend. Like it's got, por- yeah, that's, portal that's how you can make be... an overnight turnaround. Like because, I mean, saying. I, and what a smart hire by Colorado to say, look, what other way could we draw? Like, we are kind of out of traditional ways to draw people to our football program. Like we're in a dying conference. We're in, you know, we're not really in traditional football powerhouse, you know, footprint. Um, what would make our program and who gener- who would generate the most excitement and buzz around our football program to get in guys? And it's Dion. And so shout out to them for going out and do it. Um, it would be fun to watch him, you know, watch him try to succeed out there. I, I would bet, I would bet on him. And I don't know what that really looks like. I, I don't know. Hey, is he going to win multiple Pac-12 championships? Like I doubt that. But I would bet on him having a pretty good amount of success in a short amount of time. Um, and if he does that, I think he'll go somewhere even bigger. Like, I think he will. Agreed. This is a place where he could still go bigger. Um, and, I mean, I think it's a good jump for him. A lot of people are kind of even questioning whether it was, like, smart or, like, what he was kind of doing, jumping away. But it's like, look, I'll be honest. Like, that opportunity at Jackson State is going to be there. Failure, like, failure or not, someone will – like, he can get – back to that level of football you know tomorrow if he needed to you know he he would have an opportunity at an institution like that yeah um, if he went 0 and 12 this next yeah, year he could go he and get still, that job yeah oh but, yeah but there you know if he succeeds here then he goes on to even bigger things and next next it's ucla or you know somewhere you know just a, i don't know why i throw ucla but i'm just saying you know he goes somewhere that he can have have him greater success so um It'll be fun to see. It, it brings a lot of excitement to Colorado Buffs football. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm already planning my trip week one for the Huskers at Colorado. Matt Rule versus Dion week one. Come, that's what on. I'm talking about, man. That We're is... gonna find out quick. I will mention, Seth. I mentioned this to you. The Colorado AD in that press conference basically begged Colorado fans oh, yeah. to not get rid of their tickets for that game that's because he is so scared. He is shaking that that stadium is going to be completely red for Dion's first game as it was last time the Huskers played in Boulder. So yeah, you can, you can bet your sweet ass. I will be in Boulder, Colorado on September 9th for that game. Also just because respect to Colorado, I want to see that stadium because it looks awesome. Yeah. That is a fun little underrated college rivalry. I would say Nebraska, Colorado, like just, kind of fun it's not, not even a rivalry yeah but to me in my head it's like a classic game maybe not a rivalry but like nebraska Colorado it is like, is like a, a very 90s game, game. yeah it is, it is. oh yeah 90s when they were but yeah that's the thing nebraska leads the series i think 49 to 20 but it yeah, is not, it is not a, there's there's hatred there there's so. tradition there it's like historic game to me yeah um, just does feel good yeah but going out to boulder i've never been been in the area of boulder but never been to boulder i'm sure it's pretty awesome um That'd be super fun. I would definitely be down to to check that one out. That'd be great. Yeah. Apparently, they do have terrible fans. I've always heard that. Not nice. Terrible is in – Really? I was going to say, what kind of terrible? Like, slash your tires. What? You like, yeah, Co- like, Boulder fans? Yes, dude. This is – so, like, now it's all, you know, granola people. So, I don't know how much but it's they've changed. But they chilled out. But it, 
it used to be straight like they were terrible. Like that's always what I heard from all my buddies in Nebraska. Like they were some of the worst fans. Not a good rep interacted with. You know who had great fans? BYU. Yeah. Best fans I've ever encountered. Well, maybe not best, maybe not best, but like kindest and like hospitable. Hospitable and gentle fans I've ever met. Like most gracious (laughs) losers, most gracious losers I've ever met. Just like so happy to lose a football game. And I was like, <laughs> like get out well, of Well, they gave it their all. Yeah, like, man, is, these what, are my, these are my mountains now. We own we own these mountains. This stadium is ours, and you're just taking it like like it doesn't even matter. We just shoved it. We just anyway, they were awesome. They had just so many people happy for us to be there, which is crazy. No, no booze or anything, more handshakes and a little too nice, you know, like it was like there may be some deeper hatred here. We don't hate your football team, but we do hate the fact that you're not Mormon. I think that's really the the end up vibe that I got. Ah, and I was I like, hey, welcome that. here. Why don't you why don't you get comfortable? You should you, you convert. Do you not do you not like this place? It's pretty great, isn't it? Mountains. Like, why don't you come stay a while? Maybe come to class, you know, maybe come to surface and and uh <laughs> And maybe end up giving all your money to the Mormon church. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Jeez, that sounds, yeah, scary. It's like a um, horror movie. <laughs> yeah, it actually does. Yikes. But shout, shout out to BYU. They yeah, shout out. Yeah. Oh, for <laughs> life, bro. I rep this, I rep this every day now. Kooks. Um, do we want to move in? I don't even know where to move in now. We could do a little Heisman talk. We kind of did Heisman talk. Um, Who is going to win? I don't know. Someone said, I liked what I heard today. Someone was like, ah, oh, they'll probably just give it to Stroud. Like the way they said it, it was like, yeah, we'll just give it to an Ohio State QB. Like, sounds good. I could see that honestly happening. I mean, which sucks because to me, yeah. he's done nothing to yeah. win a Heisman. No, that's uh, an Ohio State quarterback winning the Heisman just kind of nonchalantly just triggers me because uh, Troy Smith won in 2005 over Darren McFadden, who had like, a transcendent college running back season and Troy Smith just won because he was the quarterback for Ohio state and they went undefeated. That was when the media, the media used to be all in on the big 10 and it's kind of shifted over to the sec a little bit more as of recently. So, but man, the media used to love them some Ohio state and it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. But I I mean, have a a little bit of love Ohio state because Eddie George, I mean, (laughs) He also stole a Heisman. Yeah. Tommy Frazier in 95, dude. Come on. I mean, Eddie's just like that. He's got it. No, no. How is Eddie doing at TSU? That should have been our update this season. We should have done an update on TSU every week. Oh, that, that, dang, we should have done that. That would have been uh, good to keep up with. I wonder, I'm, I'm Googling them real quick because I want to see here how they, uh, are they FCS? They got they, be right. uh, yeah, they're FCS. They went five and six, um, four and four in the conference. So, do we know what they did the year before? I have no idea if that's an improvement or a. Whatever. Let's see the year before. Oh wait, this is. Oh my! I was at Texas Southern. <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, "What are these red colors?" All right, let me uh all right, here we go. I'm getting this uh 
put up here. So they were four and seven, two and three in the conference this year. They uh, lost to MTSU 49 to six. Mm, not good. They did uh, at least hold up a little bit against Jackson State 16 to three, a loss there. So the defense played well. Um, yikes, uh, uh, a loss to UT Martin 20 to three, not good. But uh, let's see last year just for a little. Five and six, three and three, so about the same. Tough. Tough for old Eddie. He'll get it together. Uh, I believe Eddie can do it. Real quick, Trusha, what do we how do we feel about the real orange bowl this year? Talk about an orange bowl. I mean, I'm uh I'm excited for that. I think Miami is a, a great place to travel. The Vols are gonna be there. Heavy. Uh, we are having a true Orange Bowl with Clemson playing, but I honestly think we're Tennessee. If we had Hendon Hooker, we would kill Clemson by three touchdowns. But with Joe Milton, I think he is really going to be the key to this because if he starts overthrowing balls and Clemson jumps on us quick, I could see something honestly similar to what happened uh, in the South Carolina game where they just kind of ran off our defense played great against Vanderbilt didn't give up any points but I don't know this Clemson team they can uh, get moving quick on offense and you you see what they did to UNC after getting down so you you don't want to take your uh, foot off the gas there but I think it'll be fun to watch it's it's a cool cool matchup at least for recent history right I think it's a game all the fans will get up for anyway I think you yeah. kind of I mean since that South Carolina loss you kind of gotten to lick your wounds and admit to yourself hey we're not going to the playoff obviously um because of that sadly that's the other thing Tennessee like definitely would have been in the playoff if they don't lose that game but that being said I think it's been long enough to where you're excited about being in a New Year's Six bowl game a big time oh, bowl game. you haven't you haven't been to in since 2003 was the yeah, last 10 win season we had I was gonna say 20 years um yeah I mean I think that's something to get excited for and it's a team like Clemson, who I think there's a lot of Tennessee fans along with the rest of the country that don't like Dabo. So that kind of adds a little fuel to the fire, at least for the fans. Certainly. But no, I'm I'm excited for it. Proximity is uh, close. I mean, like, yeah, Knoxville and Clemson aren't very far. Um, really not is, at all. Yeah. It's a big bowl game. I mean, the Orange Bowl is huge. Um, so really cool, really fun matchup. Yeah. Good test. Like a good a good thing to throw your program up against. Like, let's see how we Clemson, while this may not be their best team are just have been so solid, you know, over the past eight years, um, they've just been really consistent and across the board, they're a good program. So always fun to go up against someone like that and just compare yourself. Yeah. Kind of a bummer that you don't have QB one, but you got, you got old smoke and Joe. He, he can he can show you something down there in Miami. Yeah, Vol Nation will travel heavy down to Miami. That will be fun to see. That'll be fun to see for sure. Well, and oh, you yeah. know, if if Bazooka Joe lights it up this next week, people Vols will be fans oh, are going to be going crazy. Yeah, we'll be they'll be so excited for that's the way you feed it in the next year. Nice little eleven win yeah. season. Got a eleven nice win season. Six five Sleepy Joe 40. waking up for a Heisman yeah. season. Yeah. <laughs> Joe you think Heisman, this, baby. This, you think this could be kind of like his uh, almost his true audition for next year's starting job? It's like, hey, you play well against Clemson on this kind of stage and you perform well, like we're going to roll with you as our guy. But like, you know, if you come out here and just struggle, it looks bad. You know, 
you've had plenty of time to prepare all this kind of stuff and you just come out really bad, then it's like, we got to get someone else. If we want to have it's Nico I mean, I, could, could make some ahead. noise if, uh, yeah, but you, you don't want to roll with a fresh up true freshman quarterback. No. Well, that's my thought process. Like, I don't think he has to light it up. If he truly struggled, that's one thing. I just don't see it happening. Like he knows the offense. Yeah. I yeah. think, I mean, from what I can tell, like, it's one thing if he's inaccurate, um, I think they would just try to work on that over the off season. Cause I, I don't really see a situation where he's not starting every game next year, honestly. Um, I don't know. Unless you just have some. There's going to be transfers that want to be in that Tennessee offense. Like That's true. Like that guy from Oklahoma State just announced he's transferring. And be hard not to look at a guy like that and say, yeah, it would not hurt to put a guy that's been a three-year starter at Oklahoma State in our offense. Like, Yeah, another gunslinger kind of. Yeah. Because that's what you're looking for, really. It'll be interesting. Yeah, somebody I'm, I'm can not, throw the deep ball. The coaches would know, you know, much more about his preparedness to truly lead a team through a season, but never well, bad to have more quality in your QB room. And I think it's interesting you bring it up because the argument would be, you know, he's been in the system for a while, but I don't think it's that difficult of a system to learn from a quarterback standpoint. Like I think any, probably not. I think any big like you're talking. If Tennessee gets a quarterback from the portal, it's gonna be someone who's a pretty big name, at least somewhat. Like it's gonna be another Power Five QB, probably. I would have to imagine they will be capable of picking up the offense if that were to happen. Yeah, something to so. look out for, for yeah. sure. Well, that's a really a uh, positive development on the Razorback front is KJ Jefferson returning for next season. When you got your guy and you got your number one QB locked in, like, you know that that's a good positive factor for you. It just can bring a lot more hope for the offseason. <laughs> if you're going into the season and you don't know who your guy is, even if, like, you just don't know who it is, um, it's rare. It's really rare that you have true QB competitions like get, go throughout the summer and everything and into the fall that result in like really good QB play, you know, because traditionally there's, if a guy's better, like he's going to be the guy for a while and he's going to be a good performer on the field. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't happen um, and you can't get pretty good, but just it's, it's never a great case scenario when you don't know who your starting quarterback is. Um, but I think, I mean, I think Joe Milton's more than capable of being a, a SEC starter. I don't know. I think kind of around what you, you had mentioned earlier, as you said, I think he's kind of a 50, 50 guy, like 50% of the time you might get a really good game from him, but then 50% of the time you might get a really bad game from him. Um, and if that's kind of accurate, I think while he does provide a serviceable starter, you definitely are more likely to lose a few games because your offense performs like significantly different than it, you know, it's just the consistency, which is a huge part of any player, much less any quarterback. Um, so it makes you really appreciate really good. Like Hinden hooker had a just fantastic quarterback season that you just have to sit back and appreciate like, wow, this is a way, way that just doesn't come through very often. Like those kind of seasons are very special um, to watch a guy do that kind of just be so in control. That's what I think was really impressive about Hendon Hooker is just how in control of that offense he was. Mm-hmm. Um, he just, you know, 
man, he was just truly the manager of that offense. Not, I mean, not, you know, they say game manager to describe guys who really don't do that much. He was way obviously more than that, but he still was kind of just, you know, like I said, in control. Um, and so hopefully, hopefully Joe Milton shows out in the orange bowl, gets a lot of hype going into the year, a lot of confidence, good off season with the boys. And he does have a cannon. So that is kind of always the thought like arm strength is not his problem. He doesn't have He's a better a runner too. I will say that much. Yeah. yeah. So he could be exciting in that offense too. So he's a big dude. He's a big dude. Arkansas. I do want to shout out the uh, – do we have any more college football to cover before we kind of transition over? Uh, no, it was Portal Monday today, so oh. that's just going to be a massive shakedown. Yeah, it was. Massive, massive shakedown. I saw there were 667 portal entries, which is up from the previous high that was like 250. <laughs> so yeah, big day in the portal. Yeah, it'll get. And not to bigger. not to mention about 40 percent of those guys are not uh, historically have not found landing spots. Yeah, so. that's a very interesting. I, I'm, it's interesting that you brought that up because I don't think it this portal madness as we have it right now, which I'm not necessarily like. I'm certainly not a detractor from that because I am in favor of people having an opportunity to pursue better opportunities. Like with the current system, I actually don't negate any guy that says, look, I, I'm actively seeking a better opportunity, yeah. whether it be perceived or not. Sometimes I think we do get a little like distracted and I'm sure it's hard decision for these kids. You know, what really is actually in my best interest, like what is truly in my best interest. And like you said, a lot of those guys don't find landing spots. Now, some of that is maybe even by choice, like they're not willing to go down and level or, you know, make, you know, down step moves because let's let's be the real of the real. Like most of the guys that are transferring, not all, not all, but most of the guys that are transferring are down on the depth chart. Like yes, that's correct. that's why they're transferring. Um, so, yeah, well, you may find, you know, Bama's down on the depth chart you know, fourth string guy might find a good landing spot at a SEC school even and play, you know, good minutes, uh, stuff like that. But you're a, you're a fourth stringer at an Arkansas, a, you know, Kansas, somewhere like that. Like you're not going and finding like another SEC school that's taking, like you're going to have to go down if you want an open spot. And it's just super complicated because you're still bringing in high school players like, it's not like we have defined transfer rosters. That's like, okay, I need 20 guys from the transfer portal. It's like, I might lose 15 guys and only gain six. Like, because we brought in a big fresh, like, it's just, it's, it's really so unstructured and bizarre. And you could have foreseen, and you, you threw NIL and transfer portal in at the exact same time and expected that to like work That's a good fluidly point. and like seamlessly. That's so messed up. Like that is so bizarre by the NCAA. What a terrible, terrible, horrible, stupid decision to do that and just have unregulated free agency, but it's not even free agent. Oh my, it's so dumb how they did it. And it was such a grasp at power to like, they could have literally just started paying athletes, like pay, pay them, you know, a portion of revenue sharing, like make it pretty simple, pretty straightforward. It's like, Hey, if you're a, football player in an sec conference you make x like you know it's nothing crazy but it's a legitimate more structured thing instead they just said no we're gonna we're gonna do nil but we're gonna actually make it form as recruiting 
and it, they just botched it. And there's all. no and limit. You, yeah, <laughs> you you knew that that was coming. That like they would terribly screw that up. Not that they even screwed it up. They just opened all the floodgates at once, and then you throw in COVID at the same time. It was bizarre. A bizarre confluence of like things to happen at the exact same time that have mur- murk have made the m- waters very murky in terms of what's actually going on. It's literally called the transfer portal. No one act like you literally no one knows like what a, it is. A mystic being and a character. It's a portal. You literally, <laughs> what is that? That is that is so insane. Oh, like I'm hopping in the transfer portal and I'm just gonna get magically spit out at another school. Just bizarre. Some people don't make some people don't make it out of the portal. Like we need to tell these these guys stories. Like. Nah, man, I jumped out of the portal and all of a sudden I'm bagging groceries at Kroger. Like, I just, I don't know what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the problem is, too, is even you mentioned SEC guys, and you're right uh, to an extent. Like, yeah, there's there were a couple of Bama receivers I saw. Like, if you're there was a Bama receiver who had like 300 yards and a few touchdowns that I'm sure was in garbage time, but he's a former four or five star. That guy's going to land somewhere and probably be, it reminds me of, Trey Palmer was kind of down on the depth chart at LSU. He comes to Nebraska for a year and broke the single season record in receiving yards. That's a great example of it working out. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is you have guys who haven't played at all that, I mean, maybe they were a good recruit, maybe they weren't, but they don't have any tape either really playing in big time college football. So yeah, you were at, uh, let's say, I don't know. Let's say you're at Texas A&M. Like, I know we dog on Texas A&M, but it's still like a SEC program, everything. You don't have any tape, and the best offer you get is Ohio. You know, you're going to go be an Ohio Bobcat, and yeah, you'll start, you'll play or whatever. But, and the only reason you got that offer and not any other ones is because you don't have any tape. Well, what if you would have just stayed at A&M and, you know, did your work for, two, three years, and then you get a shot and you have two good years at AM at the, an SEC program and everyone knows who you are. You know, that's where I think the miss is. But again, I'm all for guys making their own decisions. That's their decision. I mean, you're going to have guys that screw it up and make the wrong decision. So you have yeah. to live with it. Yeah. I, you know, one part I do really like is the grad transfers. I think yeah. grad transfer is really, it's like, it is an incentive and encouragement to go ahead and graduate, to get a degree. And then we still, then we give you a lot of flexibility to choose a really good spot for you. You know, you've already got your degree, you've already gotten through school, you know, you're immediately eligible to go play somewhere, you know, if you find a fit that is better for you. Um, But then to just get free reign on people, because I mean, I think the, you know, used to, you could transfer, it wasn't like, but you had to sit out a year. Sit out, yeah. Um, And so that's a huge, and that is a huge, you know, thing, probably not. Oh, huge price to pay for it, which honestly athlete. isn't a bad thing either. Yeah, no, I don't. It makes I, you think I, about it. Like, do yeah, I really? No, it, is this really worth it? <laughs> so I'm saying. So I think maybe even you get back something closer to that, where it's like, hey, if you're an undergrad, you know, you're a sophomore, you could transfer, but you got to sit out a year. Now you get red shirts. Like, if you still want four years of eligibility, you can still have, you know, a fourth year of eligibility. It doesn't yeah. cut out any of that, but you can't. It is an. It is a bigger impact decision. Um, I think. And then, but I would like, I still like the grad transfers get immediate eligibility. It's like, Hey, you, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so I think that would maybe be more of a healthy kind of thing to do, but it is madness and you got to take advantage of it. Um, uh, it, cause it's a huge part of it. So you can, it makes rebuilds faster. Like, you know, someone like Brian Kelly 
benefited. He, well, first of all, the prep program got kind of decimated by the transfer portal, but he also allowed him to bring in a ton of guys via the transfer portal um, that otherwise probably, you know, don't bring in on a one-year notice. Um, so it can make rebuild. And that's what we were talking about it with Dion. Like you bring in someone like that, but he's just going to eat in the transfer portal. Um, have a lot of guys coming to Colorado that would not otherwise do that. So pretty uh, it, the portal giveth and it taketh away. Um, so hopefully it gives more than it takes for our teams, but you never know some like Arkansas lost a major wide receiver today. That would probably be a sure number, you know, a starter next year and just gone, just gone, vanished in a moment. <laughs> no, very true. Very true. It, I, I'm so excited. It does add an element of entertainment for sure. Cause there were a ton of big names in the portal today. Uh, DJ Uyunglele, he's not even going to be at the Clemson UT bowl game. Cause he's in the portal. Um, Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma state, you mentioned, I'm sure – honestly, there's a billion other guys. Uh, Kay McNamara already is going to Iowa. Rest in oh, peace to him. What? He could have had options and you chose Iowa. Right, bro. that's what I'm what thinking. He could have gone somewhere solid. Just go to, like, a Florida school and not yeah. Iowa. What attracted him to Iowa? What, yeah, what did he see this like... year that said, man, this is going to get me to the league? Like, Yeah, good point. Yeah, what did yeah, and what in what planet is that a good whatever? Good for him. I hope he has a lot of success. I hope he scores <laughs> 20 plus points a game at Iowa, which would be like <laughs> miraculous. You're gonna go play for Kirk Ferentz and his son. Not me. I would not be transferring to Iowa. If I'm a quarterback, that's just not not what I'm I would transfer for. to Iowa State over Iowa a thousand times. Yeah. At least I've trans- seen they can have an offense with a good quarterback. Iowa would – I mean, I'm not trying to rail on Iowa right now. I feel like I'm being kind of tough, but I feel like if I'm in the transfer portal, my options are pretty wide. Like, not every guy like we were talking about, but a guy that started 20-some games at Michigan. Started a playoff game. Yeah, I think he's going to have a few options. Like, go to Boulder. <laughs> Be second string, I guess. Yeah, I guess go and go to Boulder, but go he to Auburn. Gone Florida's Florida's looking for a QB in the yeah, transfer portal. That's what I'm saying. Like every, like so many schools are. You went to Iowa, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't really, I don't know why. Like, I'm not upset, but it seems like I am. I guess Iowa. I'm upset that some that there's a big time <laughs> college quarterback with that ability out there that said, you know what, I'm going to go to Iowa. Like I could have made a better decision than that. Give me the ability. I'm not like transferring five, to Iowa. Five minutes. Lay the options out for me. I will pick you the best one, like, quick. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Go to a Mac school, literally, and, like, just ball out. Light it up, yeah. Go to Ooh. Kentucky. Yeah. He could have done what Will Levis did. Easy. That's what I'm saying. Apparently, they like, you know, terrible like quarterbacks. Mediocre quarterbacks. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like go to a fun system. Go play oh, and speaking of, it's funny you mentioned them. Music City Bowl, Kentucky and Iowa. Oh, oh what a barn God. burner. That is gross. That's what it was last year. The same teams? It wasn't It wasn't the Music City Bowl, but they played. They did uh, play I'm pretty sure it was Kentucky and Iowa because I tweeted God. out. Uh, That's so funny. It's almost like the bowl pickers are like, look, these teams are gross to watch. Might as well put them in the same game. So it's just one game that's ugly instead of, make two games exactly (laughs) i remember i tweeted out i think i said 
it was towards the end. I think Kentucky ended up winning, but I remember they saying, did beat they did beat Iowa last year. I, I I tweeted out and said Iowa is the worst nine win team of all time, and then oh, it, and then Grant Shumpert, uh, brother of Ryan Shumpert, friend of the show, tweeted back at me and said I was literally just about to tweet out about how Kentucky may be the worst ten win team of all time. Like, <laughs> they were very accurate. They were fraudulent, just like this year. Oh man, but they still did it. You know, it still takes takes quite a bit to actually put ten wins together, no matter what. So I'm so glad. I'm so glad the Huskers didn't hire Mark Stoops. There were people in Nebraska that wanted Mark Stoops hired. That would have been bad news. Would have been bad, bad news. Yeah, not good at all. Ugh. Yeah, Just bring bring Bo back at that point. Like, geez, that'd be hilarious. Oh man! All right, Bo let's. Po- let's- Bo doesn't even have success outside. Like, I mean, yeah, he like went to young, like Youngstown State or whatever. But it's not like, like it's not like eight years from now. You know, he went on, had two great jobs after that, and like deserved another. Like, it was just like, no, nah, we just hired him back because he was the last best thing we had, and you know, yeah. <laughs> we'll take nine wins now, Bo. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I'm telling no you, way, that's Bo, thing. No Bo. way, Bo's getting in nine wins there. No, not now. Not now. Bo would have been in the playoff, man, if they had that back in the day. He had a few 10-win seasons. Yeah. That would have been cool. Oh, well. Besides the point. Uh, Let's move in. Another disappointing game this past weekend. Titans, we mentioned it before. I refuse to get two up or two down on this team, but, man, it looked looked pretty bad this past week. As bad as it gets. I was really excited for this one, too. I was too. Like at Philly, number one team in the league. Like, let's all go have a battle out there. And we just rolled over for them. They walked the dog with us. Not good. I mean, we looked like one of the worst teams in the league. Oh, yeah. 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 Maybe. You know, they are. They are one of the best teams. Well, they probably are the best team in the league right now. Yeah. And we were at we were at their place. And we are hurt, but there's really no excuses to look that bad. Um, we got just eaten up at every in every phase of the game. We got eaten up. Our special teams looked bad for the first. Like we were getting 30 yard punt returns every single time we punted the ball. Um, which Stonehouse has been like fire in terms of length and average and all that stuff, but the hang time was just not there. The offense just the offense is atrocious. And I'm sure we'll dive way more into that, but the mm, just hard to watch in every phase. Never really showed much life, and you know, to be honest, the Traylon injury early in the game hurts, and it kind of takes what little kind of wind and hope you have, and just kind of shuts it down. Because now our offense, you've seen it without Traylon in it, without a true number one wide receiver, our passing game is non-existent. It is terrible. We had three wide receivers on the team after he got hurt, and one was C.J. Board, who hasn't even played an offensive snap all season. Bad, bad roster construction and not playing very good. And you're right to say never too high, never too low, especially with the Titans, especially under variable. Like, they are likely to reel off four in a row, and, you know, the vibes will be up again. But just all around a pretty, pretty weak performance when you like pride yourself on being gritty and tough and physical and you get out, t- out physical, out tough. Like the other team obviously wanted at the more. line of scrimmage. 
Yeah. When you, your identity is taken away from you and like kind of shoved right back in your face, that is brutal. Like that is a bad loss. It's not a bad loss to lose at Philly. Like that's like losing at Philadelphia itself is not a bad loss at all. Like, yeah, it happens. Like they're a great team. Um, but to just losing do it. in such a way, in, in a way that you it, losing because of what you mentioned, because of toughness and not being able to run the ball and everything like that's what sucks. Because yeah. that is, yeah, losing because your identity is no longer your identity. Like you said, it was taken away. Tough to get over. And I mean, and then you throw like the knife twisted in your back is AJ, uh, AJ Brown just dominating, which he is capable of. Um, and so that, that just twists the knife because it's just obvious how how poor of a decision that was to be so weak at wide receiver. And it's look, it's not a one season decision. It's not like that decision was made for the next five years. I kind of understand that. Like we're we are prisoners of the moment where it's like, oh, well, he's super star. Like he was great in this game. So like it was. You know, because it and we I've even mentioned before, like this season easily could have flipped where Harold Landry's healthy and AJ Brown towards ACL. Like that's a possibility in sports because that's a possibility in like life. That could be the reality. That's not the reality. And the reality is the Eagles use AJ Brown way better than the Titans would have been using AJ Brown. They like let him rip. Um, and it just is a another just mark on our putrid offense. And it's just it's really bad you pride yourself on O-line and your O-line is terrible when that's kind of the heartbeat of your team and you can't move anybody. You can't protect anybody. Whew. This is about the worst outlook I've had on the Titans in a while. Um, and I'm not even really trying to be that down. It's just kind of the reality of the way we're currently constructed. So. Yeah, it's been no fun. I mean, I'm used to Derek breaking tackles and making runs, but it's gotten to the point. It's so bad that, Derek doesn't have any time to get any steam going. Tannehill has less than two seconds to to get a pass off. None of our receivers can really get open in the amount of time we have. There's no route development. There's no – I mean, there's nothing redeeming about this offense. Uh, I guess Chig kind of had a big play. That was fun to watch. Traylon being hurt kind of nullified all the stuff that he did. So, I just – if Rabel was was talking about it, I mean, there's – the Titans have to make a decision on how this uh, season is going to play out. I mean, what, what direction are we going here? Are we going to win the division and get some wins or is this offense kind of shot? We just start going for next year. It it seems like there's a pretty big, this is a pretty big fork in the road for us. And uh, I hope it uh, turns in the right direction. Well, it's like hard to even think about that going for next year because they're going to win the division, like barring something really crazy, like historically bad. They're going to win the division. Um, so it's hard to even think like, oh, we're really headed towards next year when you keep winning divisions. But like you're just kind of where you are in the draft. You're not actually really able to move super high up. But mm-hmm. I don't know. They really are. They've really kind of botched the transition, I feel like. They, they created a really good roster that had a window. And that un- unfortunately, in NFL, if you're not acting like lightning quick, to ensure that, you know, you're making a lot of small moves to genuinely guide the ship and keep going in the right direction. Um, They had like a Super Bowl window, I feel like, and 
that term gets thrown all around, I guess, like Super Bowl window. It's kind of, but I feel like really last year was probably this team's best chance to win, um, truly win the Super Bowl. Uh, now it hurt that Henry wasn't healthy going into the playoffs, certainly. Um, but that's like literally part of football. That is part of the NFL is that guys are going to be hurt and injured all year. Um, but with that defense, um, cause now, I mean, now you're looking at a transitioning quarterback, like at some point that's going to happen. Tannehill is not your guy. I was thinking this would be his last year, but honestly, it doesn't seem like they're really making, like, seems like he's probably going to be the starter into next year. But I mean, if you're not thinking, Maybe he's a starter next year, but I mean, the year after that, you've got to be thinking we got to have a different plan at quarterback. Um, and he's been a steady rock for this franchise for a while. So I'll, I'll give him. So like, I, I, I've enjoyed Tannehill being our quarterback. Um, I think he's done a lot of good things, but at some point he is like, we will have to move on from him and like Malik Willis doesn't seem to be the guy And it, but all of that, all of that is null if we can't do anything about the offensive line. And that's what's, that's what's scary about the rest of this year is like, I don't see that improving, you know, some drastic, I don't know where that drastic big chains can come from, just to be honest. We're going to need to make a splash play, kind of like how we were talking before, go out and trade somebody. We, we had the big whiff on Isaiah Wilson. Raiden's doesn't really seem to be uh, worth a second round pick either. Hopefully NPF, turns into something i mean he's at least has he probably has the best look outlook out of all three of those guys i just named for sure um and taylor lawan will probably be done after this season i'd imagine uh he'll at least won't be on the titans so nate davis and ben jones are going to be really the only cemented guys on this offensive line i think going forward um and their windows aren't even open that brewers still brewers giving you something pretty good for the most part, I think you can ride with him, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, yeah, I'm mean, losing your starting left tackle never helps the situation. Um, but that, like I said, I mean, it's part of football and, um, like one guy goes down and you can't be crippled as an offense because one player goes down in the NFL. Um, and it's been, it's been very unfortunate to watch. And like, if you thought the offense was bad early in the season, like think about how much film people have had on our, our awful offense. Like, yeah, they should be able to stop it pretty good. I can sit there and know what we're doing. Like we only do two things. We either run the ball or run a play action, but it's not that effective. If that's all you do ever. With no if time to protect some, anybody. Uh, some fresh play, play calling from Todd Downing would be nice, or somebody else calling the plays. Definitely could use a few games against the Jags as well to get some confidence going back. You know, never bad for confidence morale when you no. play the Jags. I think, honestly, if you're the Titans, you're going to have to commit to almost starting over mm. in the next year or two, just like all well, around. I mean, like- you talked about t- – at least, I mean, you're going to have a quarterback change at some point in the near future. I think you just – I mean, you have to almost build it like you're building it from the ground up. When your line of scrimmage is this bad, I mean, just devote the next couple of years to trying to build your offensive line at least. I mean, that's where it starts. That's where the foundation is, the line I of was, scrimmage. Yeah, I was thinking about that today. I said literally in this next draft, if they drafted three O-linemen and three wide receivers, like I would be happy because yeah. – you think at least probably two out of the three offensive linemen can probably contribute. Even if you got draft a guy in the sixth round, you, you may get a guy that could be a, 
good, decent offensive lineman. We talked about Trey Smith a little earlier. Like he was a sixth round guy that came in and started immediately for the uh, Chiefs. Now you got to find that guy. You got to get right on that guy. But then you draft three wide receivers and maybe, of course, Kyle Phillips has been hurt. You know, he could come back and give a little juice to the offense as well, him and Traylon. But that's, I mean, you can't count on two rookies to be two of your top three wide receivers. Like that was just flawed to start with. Like it was setting them up for failure. Um, so it's, uh, they've been frustrating all year and it got disguised by some of the winning, um, not I didn't I didn't lose sight of how bad our offense was and how bad Todd Downing was. I never I never stopped carrying the fight for that. But you know, it does get masked over when the vibes are up. You know, you win and it's like, well, who cares that we only scored 18 points? We won. But it's like, well, you scored 18 points this week. Next week you might score 12 and you don't give up. You know, you give up 30 points and then you lose by a lot. So not a good trip to Philly. But got to flush that one and get on with it because it really doesn't matter. Like, it really doesn't for the scope of this season. It really doesn't. That's the thing. No. That's the other thing. It's like, as much as it sucks, every loss and every win counts the same in the NFL. It's just how you respond to it and how you get better afterwards, the adjustments you make. Like we said, I mean, we've said it all year, and I hate, I kind of am at the point where I'm sick of saying it, but I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs. We're just gonna have to see if see what happens. Like if they yeah, get we're to just, the point where they're playing great defense and Henry gets hot or something, then it's a totally different ball game. Yeah. We're just gonna have to, yeah, accept that and be like, well, maybe we'll get lucky. Like, hey, we're in the playoffs. Maybe ball will bounce our way tonight, and it's only got to do that a couple times. And shoot, then you're in the championship. Were the Bengals yeah, really the best the team point. last year? No, like we're up. No, they were yeah, ten and seven. Yeah, we're up there with like the guys that. Yeah, we just a few bounces our way and we win this thing. So I wouldn't, it's not all gloom and doom for me. Just a little bit. Agreed. It doesn't look good though. It does. It does not look good. as currently constructed. Um, and none of that's changing. I think that's what it is. It's like it, there's just so, so many deficiencies that like aren't going to change by the time the playoffs roll around. So I don't have a lot of hope built on like, sound reasoning i have hope because i will always have hope that like if we're there you know we can make a few plays yeah we do have derrick henry like he he is capable of having some you know amazing plays um but we could get three interceptions in a game or turn two and win the game you know you never know football's crazy that's very true i do want to uh well i've got a couple things before we wrap up but first of all do you want to shout out Huskers basketball team taking down top 10 Creighton. First time the Huskers have won in Omaha since 05, I want to say. Dude, Creighton, Creighton's good. I, yeah. yeah. That's a, so that's a program Fred, win right there. Fred Hoiberg, man. Maybe the, the rebuild is legit. Nebraska so. ball. Always love, always love them doing good. Yeah. Uh, and then also, Trucial, I know you mentioned – in our group text, you had quite the story from the uh, Lady Pacers front that I think oh, you yeah. want to mention. That is true. So for you, um, Paydirt listeners out there that aren't familiar, uh, this is a team that we've mentioned in the past. The University of South Carolina Aiken Lady Pacers, my sisters play on. It is hey, a, can, they, uh, can they throw me a T-shirt or something? Like, let me get a little Lady Pacers yeah. merch because I would rep that hard. We, we should actually all, all – Rep that they'll be home for Christmas and uh, 
I'll I'll tell them to find some gear for us, and we uh, we'll, we'll we do should a collab Pacers episode. That'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, so they played uh, a couple of games, but this game was on Friday last week, either Thursday or Friday. Um, and it was probably the craziest game I've seen in my entire life. Uh, it was amazing to watch back and forth. Uh, so this team is number one in their division, the peach belt conference. It's, uh, I can't even really pronounce it. It's C A T A W B A Catawba or something like that. I don't know. They have a really good team. Always tough Catawba. Yeah. They, uh, (laughs) Uh, the Lady Pacers came out hot. They were up, uh, I want to say, around 15. It was double digits at half. Um, and Catawba came, came roaring back. It was a, a back-and-forth game. Um, they hit a big shot to force overtime after the, the Lady Pacers kind of give up the lead. It's going into first overtime, back-and-forth like crazy. Uh, with 15 seconds left, Catawba... The point guard steps back, nails just a nasty step back from three, goes in. Not looking good here for the Lady Pacers. They're down three, uh, about 11 seconds left in the first overtime. Uh, Gentry Worley, starting uh, shooting guard for the Lady Pacers, gets the ball, dribbles down the court. She had made some clutch free throws earlier to keep it to overtime. Um, as time expires, she chucks up. She basically they gets down the court, has no time but to just chuck up a sky hook from three point range, bangs it in, perfect swoosh, nails it to tie it up. But I'm not done yet here, folks. The refs <laughs> go back to the instant replay. Uh oh, they have instant replay? three. Was a two. Her foot was on the line. That means it's for the win. Instant replay comes in clutch. The first initial Catawba three-point shot is changed to a two-pointer. So that three-point shot by the Lady Pacers wins the game in overtime. It was so they replayed. They replayed Catawba's the shot before the hook. Yes, before that shot. So. They uh, confirmed that her foot was on the line, so it was a two-point shot. So a a three-pointer that should have never happened went up and went in for the win um, for the Lady Pacers. So what a what a amazing game to watch! I was going nuts. My my dad was going nuts. It was awesome. That is that's fantastic. Yeah, we got to rep the squad for sure. That is. It's kind of bizarre though on the reps part to go back and look at what a what a really that is a crazy ending to go back and look at a play that wasn't the last play of the game, but that does impact because you're right. If they call it a two, they probably have a way different even play call, mm-hmm. you know, which is anyway. Wow. Shout out Lady Pacers. There you go. Yeah, that is pretty down the number one team in the division and uh, uh, are looking Each good for the rest ours. of the season here. Yeah. They're the number one team in the conference. That's awesome. I think we'll. Out I mean, what a way to what yeah. a way to end the episode. Honestly, I have nothing else to add after that. Um, guys, thanks again for listening. This has been Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Be sure to check them out, sixpackcoverage.com on Twitter and Instagram at sixpackcoverage. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at Paydirt underscore Sports and on Instagram at Paydirt Sports. Guys, thanks again for listening, and we will see y'all next week. Paydirt out. Yeah.